Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tonight. I will be reading Aunt Susanna's Thanksgiving Dinner by Lucy Maud Montgomery. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Here's Aunt Susanna, girls, said Laura, who was sitting by the north window. Nothing but north light does for Laura who is the artist of our talented family. Each of us has a little pet 
new-fledged talent, which we are faithfully cultivating, in the hope that it will amount to something and soar highly someday. But it is difficult to cultivate four talents on our tiny income. If Laura wasn't such a good manager, we never could do it. Laura's words were a signal for Kate to hang up her violin and for me to push my pen and portfolio out of sight. Laura had hidden her brushes and watercolours as she spoke. Only Margaret continued to bend serenely over her Latin grammar. Aunt Susanna frowns on musical and literary and artistic ambitions, but she accords a faint approval to Margaret's desire for an education. A college course with a tangible diploma at the end and a sensible pedagogic aspiration is something Aunt Susanna can understand when she tries hard. But she cannot understand messing with paints, fiddling or scribbling, and she has only unmeasured contempt for messers, fiddlers and scribblers. Time was when we had paid no attention to Aunt Susanna's views on these points, but ever since she had, on one incautious day, when she was in high good humour, dropped a pale, anemic little hint that she might send Margaret to college if she were a good girl. We had been bending all our energies towards securing Aunt Susanna's approval. It was not enough that Aunt Susanna should approve of Margaret. She must approve of the whole four of us, or she would not help Margaret. That is Aunt Susanna's way. Of late, we had been growing a little discouraged. Aunt Susanna had recently read a magazine article which stated that the higher education of women was ruining our country and that a woman who has a B.A. couldn't, in the very nature of things, ever be a housewifely, cookly creature. Consequently, Margaret's chances looked a little foggy, but we hadn't quite given up hope. A very little thing might sway Aunt Susanna one way or the other, so that we walked very softly and tried to mingle serpent's wisdom and dove's harmlessness in practical portions. When Aunt Susanna came in, Laura was crocheting, Kate was sewing, and I was poring over a recipe book. That was not deception at all, since we did all these things frequently, much more frequently, in fact, than we painted or fiddled or wrote. But Aunt Susanna would never believe it, nor did she believe it now. She threw back her lovely new sealskin cape, looked around the sitting room, and then smiled, a truly Aunt Susannian smile. What a pity you forgot to wipe that smudge of paint off your nose, Laura, she said sarcastically. You don't seem to get on very fast with your lace. How long is it since you began it? Over three months, isn't it? This is the third piece of the same pattern I've done in three months, Aunt Susanna, said Laura presently. Laura is an old duck. She never gets cross and snaps back. I do, and it's so hard not to with Aunt Susanna sometimes. But I generally manage it, for I do anything for Margaret. Laura did not tell Aunt Susanna that she sold her lace at the woman's exchange in town and made enough to buy her new hats. 
she makes enough out of her watercolors to dress herself. Aunt Susanna took a second breath and started in again. I noticed your violin hasn't quite as much dust on it as the rest of the things in this room, Kate. It's a pity you stopped playing just as I came in. I don't enjoy fiddling much, but I prefer it to seeing anyone using a needle who isn't accustomed to it. Kate is really a most dainty needlewoman, and does all the fine sewing in our family. She coloured and said nothing, that being the highest pitch of virtue to which our Katie, like myself, can attain. And there's Margaret, ruining her eyes over books, went on Aunt Susanna severely. Will you kindly tell me, Margaret Thorne, what good you ever expect Latin to do you? Will you see, Aunt Susanna, said Margaret, gently. Magsy and Laura are birds of a feather. I want to be a teacher if I can manage to get through, and I shall need Latin for that. All the girls except me had now got their accustomed rap, but I knew better than to hope I should escape. So you're reading a recipe book, Agnes? Well, that's better than poring over a novel. I'm afraid you haven't been at it very long, though. People generally don't read recipes upside down. And besides, you didn't quite cover up your portfolio. I see a corner of it sticking out. Was genius burning before I came in? It's too bad if I quenched the flame. A cookery book isn't such a novelty to me, as you seem to think, Aunt Susanna, I said, as meekly as it was possible for me. Why, I'm a real good cook. I am too. Well, I'm glad to hear it, said Aunt Susanna skeptically. Because that has to do with my errand here today. I'm in a peck of troubles. First, Miranda Mary's mother has had to go and get sick, and Miranda Mary must go home to wait on her. Secondly, I've just had a telegram from my sister-in-law, who has been ordered west for her health, and I'll have to leave on tonight's train to see her before she goes. I can't get back until the noon train Thursday, and that is Thanksgiving, and I've invited Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert to dinner that day. They'll come on the same train. I'm dreadfully worried. There doesn't seem to be anything I can do except get one of you girls to go up to the pinery Thursday morning and cook the dinner for us. Do you think you can manage it? We all felt rather dismayed, and nobody volunteered with a rush. But as I had just boasted that I could cook, it was plainly my duty to step into the breach and I did it with fear and trembling. I'll go, Aunt Susanna, I said. And I'll help you, said Kate. Well, I suppose I'll have to try you, said Aunt Susanna, with the air of a woman determined to make the best of a bad business. Here's the key of the kitchen door. You'll find everything in the pantry, turkey and all. The mince pies are all ready made, so you'll only have to warm them up. I want dinner sharp at twelve for the train is due at 11.50. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert are very particular, and I do hope you will have things right. Oh, if I could only be home myself. Why will people get sick at such inconvenient times? Don't worry, Aunt Susanna, I said, comfortingly. 
Kate and I will have your Thanksgiving dinner ready for you in tip-top style. Well, I'm sure I hope so. Don't get to mooning over a story, Agnes. I'll lock the library up. Unfortunately, there are no fiddles at the pinery. Above all, don't let any of the McGuinnesses in. They'll be sure to be prowling around when I'm not home. Don't give that dog of theirs any scraps either. That is Miranda Mary's one fault. She will feed that dog in spite of all I can do. And I cannot walk out of my own back door without falling over him. We promise to eschew the McGuinnesses and all their works, including the dog. And when Aunt Susanna had gone, we looked at each other with mingled hope and fear. Girls, this is the chance of your lives, said Laura. If you can only please Aunt Susanna with this dinner, it will convince her that you are good cooks, in spite of your nefarious bent for music and literature. I consider the illness of Miranda Mary's mother a providential interposition. That is, if she isn't too sick. It's all very well for you to be pleased, Lola, I said dolefully. But I don't feel jubilant over the prospect at all. Something will probably go wrong. And then there's our own nice little Thanksgiving celebration we've planned and pinched and economized for weeks to provide. That is half spoiled now. And what is that compared to Margaret's chance of going to college? exclaimed Kate. Cheer up, Aggie. You know we can cook. I feel that it is now or never with Aunt Susanna. I cheered up accordingly. We are not given to pessimism, which is fortunate. Ever since father died four years ago, we have struggled on here, content to give up a good deal just to keep our home and be together. This grey little house, oh how we do love it and its apple trees, is ours, and we have, as aforesaid, a tiny income and our ambitions. Not very big ambitions, but big enough to give zest to our lives and hope to the future. We've been very happy as a rule. Aunt Susanna has a big house and lots of money, but she isn't as happy as we are. She nags us a good deal, just as she used to nag father. But we don't mind it very much after all. Indeed, I suspect sometimes that we really like Aunt Susanna tremendously if she'd only leave us alone long enough to find it out. Thursday morning was an ideal Thanksgiving morning, bright, crisp, and sparkling. There had been a white frost in the night, and the orchard and the white birch wood behind it looked like fairyland. We were all up early. None of us had slept well, and both Kate and I had had the most fearful dreams of spoiling Aunt Susanna's Thanksgiving dinner. Never mind. Dreams always go by contraries, you know, said Laura, cheerfully. You'd better go up to the pinery early and get the fires on, for the house will be cold. Remember the McGuinnesses and the dog. Weigh the turkey so that you'll know exactly how long to cook it. Put the pies in the oven in time to get piping hot. Lukewarm mince pies are an abomination. Be sure. Laura. Don't confuse us with any more cautions, I groaned, for we shall get hopelessly fuddled. Come on, Kate, before she has time to. It wasn't very far up to the pinery, just ten minutes' walk, and such a delightful walk on that beautiful morning. We went through the orchard and then through the white, 
birchwood, where the loveliness of the frosted boughs awed us. Beyond that, there was a lane between ranks of young, balsamy, white-misted firs, and then an open pasture field, sire and crispy. Just across it was a pinery, a lovely old house with dormer windows in the roof, surrounded by pines that were dark and glorious against the silvery morning sky. The McGuinness dog was sitting on the back door steps when we arrived. He wagged his tail ingratiatingly, but we ruthlessly pushed him off, went in, and shut the door in his face. All the little McGuinnesses were sitting in a row on their fence, and they whooped derisively. The McGuinness manners are not those which appertain to the caste of Ver de Ver, but we rather like the urchins. There are eight of them and we would probably have gone over to talk to them if we had not had the fear of Aunt Susanna before our eyes. We kindled the fires, weighed the turkey, put it in the oven, and prepared the vegetables. Then we set the dining room table and decorated it with Aunt Susanna's potted ferns and dishes of lovely red apples. Everything went so smoothly that we soon forgot to be nervous. When the turkey was done, we took it out, set it on the back of the range to keep warm, and put the mince pies in. The potatoes, cabbage, and turnips were bubbling away cheerfully, and everything was going as merrily as a marriage bell. Then all at once, things happened. In an evil hour, we went to the yard window and looked out. We saw a quiet scene. The McGuinness dog was still sitting on his haunches by the steps, just as he'd been sitting all the morning. Down in the McGuinness yard, everything wore an unusually peaceful aspect. Only one McGuinness was in sight, Tony, aged eight, who was perched up on the edge of the well box, swinging his legs and singing at the top of his melodious Irish voice. All at once, just as we were looking at him, Tony went over backward and apparently tumbled head, foremost, down his father's well. Kate and I screamed simultaneously. We tore across the kitchen, flung open the door, plunged down over Aunt Susanna's yard, scrambled over the fence, and flew to the well. Just as we reached it, Tony's red head appeared as he climbed serenely out over the box. I don't know whether I felt more relieved or furious. He had merely fallen in the blank guard inside the box. And there are times when I am tempted to think he fell on purpose because he saw Kate and me looking out at the window. At least, he didn't seem at all frightened and grinned most impishly at us. Kate and I turned on our heels and marched back in as dignified a manner as was possible under the circumstances. Halfway up Aunt Susanna's yard, we forgot dignity and broke into a run. We had left the door open, and the McGuinness dog had disappeared. Never shall I forget the sight we saw, or the smell we smelled, when we burst into that kitchen. There on the floor was the McGuinness dog, and what was left of Aunt Susanna's Thanksgiving turkey. As for the smell, imagine a commingled odour of scorching turnips and burning mince pies and you have it. The dog fled out with a guilty yelp. I groaned and snatched the turnips off. 
Kate threw open the oven door and dragged out the pies. Pies and turnips were ruined as irretrievably as the turkey. Oh, what shall we do? I cried miserably. I knew Margaret's chance of college was gone forever. Do. Kate was superb. She didn't lose her wits for a second. We'll go home and borrow the girls' dinner. Quick, there's just ten minutes before train time. Throw those pies and turnips into this basket. The turkey, too. We'll carry them with us to hide them. I might not be able to evolve an idea like that on the spur of the moment, but I can at least act upon it when it is presented. Without a moment's delay, we shut the door and ran. As we went, I saw the McGuinness dog licking his chops over in their yard. I have been ashamed ever since of my feelings toward that dog. They were murderous. Fortunately, I had no time to indulge them. It is ten minutes' walk from the pinery to our house, but you can run it in five. Kate and I burst into the kitchen, just as Laura and Margaret were sitting down to dinner. We had neither time nor breath for explanations. Without a word, I grasped the turkey platter and the turnip tureen. Kate caught one hot mince pie from the oven and whisked a cold one out of the pantry. We've got to have them, was all she said. I've always said that Laura and Magsy would rise to any occasion. They saw us carry their Thanksgiving dinner off under their very eyes, and they never interfered by word or motion. They didn't even worry us with questions. They realized that something desperate had happened, and that the emergency called for deed, not words. Aggie, gasped Kate, behind me as we tore through the brochwood. The border of these pies is crimped differently from Aunt Susanna's. She won't know the difference, I panted. Miranda and Mary crimps them. We got back to the pinery just as the train whistle blew. We had ten minutes to transfer turkey and turnips to Aunt Susanna's dishes, hide our own, air the kitchen, and get back our breath. We accomplished it. When Aunt Susanna and her guests came, we were prepared for them. We were calm, outwardly and the second mince pie was getting hot in the oven. It was ready by the time it was needed. Fortunately, our turkey was the same size as Aunt Susanna's, and Laura had cooked a double supply of turnips, intending to warm them up the next day. Still, all things considered, Kate and I didn't enjoy that dinner much. We kept thinking of poor Laura and Magsy at home, dining off potatoes on Thanksgiving. But at least. Aunt Susanna was satisfied. When Kate and I were washing the dishes, she came out quite beamingly. Well, my dears, I must admit that you made a very good job of the dinner indeed. The turkey was done to perfection. As for the mince pies, well, of course Miranda Mary made them, but she must have had extra good luck with them, for they were excellent and heated to just the right degree. You didn't give anything to the McGuinness dog, I hope. No, we didn't give him anything, said Kate. Aunt Susanna did not notice the emphasis. When we had finished the dishes, we smuggled our platter and terrain out of the house and went home. Laura and Margaret were busy painting and studying and were just as sweet-tempered as if we hadn't robbed them of their dinner. We had to tell them the whole story before we even took off our hats. 
There is a special providence for children and idiots, said Laura gently. We didn't ask her whether she meant us or Tony McGuinness or both. There are some things better left in obscurity. I'd have probably said something much sharper than that if anyone had made off with my Thanksgiving turkey so unceremoniously. Aunt Susanna came down the next day and told Margaret that she would send her to college. Also, she commissioned Laura to paint her watercolour for her dining room, and she'd said she'd pay her five dollars for it. Kate and I were rather left out in the cold in this distribution of favours. But when you come to reflect that Laura and Magsy had really cooked that dinner, it was only just. Anyway, Aunt Susanna has never even insinuated that we can't cook, and that is as much as we deserve. Good night.